0: Welcome to Podcasts of Foes. I'm Greg Tito, host of Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. To celebrate the launch of Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, we worked with more than 20 of the community's favorite live play D&D podcasts to record special episodes using monsters and lore from Tome of Foes. We love highlighting the creativity of these amazing players and Dungeon Masters, and hopefully, you will find one or two new podcasts to follow. To find out more about these groups and Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, head to dnd.wizards.com mtof, or check out our live video programming on twitch.tv dnd. I wanted to thank Victoria Rogers from the Broadswords for organizing all these amazing adventures from the community in this Podcasts of Foes. And to find out about the next d adventure, check out the Stream of Many Eyes on June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. More information on that event can be found at dnd.wizards.com s-o-m-e. Have fun listening to this awesome one-shot adventure featuring monsters, stories, and lore pulled straight from Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, available in game stores on May 18th and everywhere else on May 29th. Have fun rolling dice!
1: Hello there, I'm Ross and this is the Dice for Brains podcast, sort of. Welcome to our Mordenkainen and Toma Foes special episode. We would like to thank Victoria from the Broadswords and Greg from Wizards of the Coast for including us in this spectacular event. If you want more Dice for Brains, you can find us in your podcast platform of choice. You can go to diceforbrains.com, find us on social media, or go to patreon.com for diceforbrains. Now, let's meet the players and get on with the episode.
2: Hello everyone, I'm Nicholas Pinto. I will be playing Merrick Hightone, Bard of the Mountain. I am a 5th level Bard in the College of Valor. My race is Halfling, specifically Lightfoot. Merrick's personality is... he has a song or a story for any situation. And a lot of the time that gets him in trouble because he has a desire to gain favor and renown with everyone.
3: My name is David Wright. I'm playing Bathe Froth the Magician, a human abjuration wizard of the fifth level who really isn't very good at what he does. He's a cross between Bruce Leroy and Schmendrick the Magician from The Last Unicorn. He doesn't understand that the power is within all time
4: it's me Isabella Jones and because I hate rods my character is Andri Tarsowski she is <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, <Tastes> nasty. Nasty.
4: <laughs> she is a fifth level paladin of uh, Corallon Loratheon a wood elf and also her personality trait that stands out most for me is her ideals, which is the ancient traditions of worship and sacrifice must be preserved and upheld, which I wrongly thought that I had to sacrifice people to my god (laughs) and not make sacrifices myself. So I'm gonna have to change that on my game plan.
1: (laughs) And if you are unfamiliar with Dice for Brains, one thing we like to do is bring new players to the table. So we're gonna introduce our new player for this episode.
5: Hi, my name's Kevin Reed. I'll be playing Abhavir Skard. Oh, he is a fifth level barbarian of the Bear Totem, and he is a mountain dwarf, Outlander background. Nice. And he is very all about the glory. He needs to earn glory, be in the glory, like just gain as much glory as possible. Lovely. Well that is quite
1: a band of little adventurers for this D&D one shot. One thing we like to do a little differently as opposed to some of the games you might be familiar with is we like to push the narrative end of the bell curve a little bit more, is that fair to say everybody?
4: Yes. Mm -hmm. It involves less numbers.
1: (laughs) True. So one of the things we do when we play D&D is we use some of the variant rules, specifically the ones that aid to the narrative gameplay. So we will be using one such mechanic for this. For those of you playing along at home, it's on page 269 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. We will be using plot points and specifically the what a twist method. Um, If you're familiar with our show, these work like story points or destiny points, but it will give you, the players, a chance to inject your own reality into the scene at the cost of your one and only chit. So everyone's got one, you get to use it once this story and that's it. Before we jump into this big bad tome of foes, I want to know a little bit more about your characters because that's going to be very helpful. I am to understand that you are all the best of friends, yes? Oh, of course, the Indeed. best of friends. For
3: best friends that ever <laughs> All right.
4: Best <laughs> friends traveling together.
1: So how are the four of you bonded together then? I'm assuming you've been traveling for a while, at least. You're all fifth level.
3: Yep. So have
2: mm-hmm. you been together the whole time?
3: Oh, Of course. Yeah, most likely. For most of it, yes. Well, doing what?
2: Well, we are part of Mighty Merrick's magical menagerie of mischief and awesomeness. Okay, so what is that exactly? We're a
3: traveling sideshow. Uh, so sideshow as in we do acts and funny things and stories, and uh, we have a we have a magician. Oh, are
1: you? Oh, you're the wizard. So you're also a stage
3: magician. Yes. Okay. Right. Lean into it. Might as well. And uh, I'm actually a much better stage magician than I am a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) That's true.
4: I read the words of my God and spread the word and joy, which is my oath. It's the
3: dry part. She follows the magician.
1: So that sounds like the the manager, the the money person. Is that, Are definitely. you, you, do you do the money? I
4: Definitely do the money. I mean, because they're gonna go away soon. Like their Wait. lifespan is very tiny. So I keep the money because I'm gonna keep on living. We
3: uh. sort of we sort of fell into the adventuring gig. We started out as a as a performance thing.
5: Yeah, I like to perform because I'm the strongest of them all. I have cannon shot at me, and you have cannon shot at your little dwarf body. <laughs> yes,
4: <laughs> that's uh, not like
5: the belly at all. That's
1: like the whole bit. My whole body is <laughs>
4: <laughs> holds the the cannonball. Who shoots him? I thought you guys were all friends.
1: Okay, you can't raise your hand. <laughs> it's a I, friendly. It's, been fire. A while.
2: it's I, friendly fire. <laughs> <laughs> I would call it friendly, yes. i shoot the cannons. Okay, all right.
4: Yeah. Also, he um, allows two people a day to um, challenge him to an arm wrestle. Nobody ever won. Rabarazzi.
1: Oh, so you make extra money arm wrestling? Yes. Ah, all (laughs) right. So, of course, being traveling performers, you will inevitably encounter adventure of some kind. Um, So, I'm assuming... There has been some monster slaying and quest doing and all of that kind of stuff too. That's yes. correct.
4: Mm-hmm. Correct for Andre, it's mostly searching for relics and usually monsters seem to take them and then she's like, "I have to give it back to my god." So
3: ah, okay. We were actually a little bit further south when we picked up Andre because, like I said, we fell into the adventuring gig. We we were just in a town and there was a bar and there were some giant rats and right. We got our tails handed to us. And, by uh, giant rats? By giant rats. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but there was a paladin. Right. Who stepped up and helped us.
4: I speak with animals, so.
3: So we just brought her along with us when we left, and she that's why we have a paladin in the group.
1: Yeah. Got you. Got you.
5: And I came along for just the challenge of it all. I wanted um more. I wanted an opponent that could actually like take me on and be some kind of challenge for me. I've faced orcs. I've. Of course. I've battled giants. I've even taken on a demigorgon. It's not a thing?
3: <laughs> we're told we were challenging demigorgon. We thought we were saving this village from a horrible fiend that turned out to be a dire ape. <laughs> and we trounced it handily. Did
1: you arm—oh, so you didn't arm wrestle the dire ape? That no, he- might have been a challenge. For <laughs> you. He, he wrestle-wrestled it. Oh, okay. All right. So just another—I don't know what kind of trophies you would keep, <laughs> but—so another trophy in your case—
2: This is the great thing about having someone so mighty, boastful. Gives me song, gives me story, gives me the ability to continue and bring my troop to more prestige. Let's just say we're uh, definitely the best that's around. Definitely the best that's around. All right. So how do you
3: move it all around? We've got a caravan. It's a large wagon pulled by a horse. It's got a couple of stages that fall down off of the uh, side of the wagon. Okay,
1: so some movable parts to set up a little area. The okay. reason I
3: took carpentry tools is because I help set up the stages
1: and the master carpenter stage magician who's an actual wizard third. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm a I'm a slightly better carpenter than I am a
1: wizard. Okay. <laughs> So I think we've probably learned enough about these characters to get started. What we've established is you're adventurers and performers and best of friends and have been traveling together all this time. And the best. Don't forget the best. Did I not say the best? Well, you said notice. the best
2: of friends, but we're just oh, the best. Okay.
1: Just the best, <laughs> comma, friends. Got it. All right. Everybody ready? Yeah. Where we open is a shop of some kind. The four of you are in a large... You know, shop room. There's display cases and cupboards and all sorts of things to show off goods and wares. Andre, you are holding onto a board, slamming a nail into it. It's the third one in front of the front door, so there's, there's two that are already kind of blocking, it, and you're nailing the third in. Merrick, you are across the shop floor. You've got some kind of tea, kettle. You're, you're making some really, really strong tea. It's important right now. Apavir. You've got this long rag. You're wiping off a counter space. It's really, really wide and long. You're going to be building something on it. You're going to be decorating things. It's important that this area is very, very clean. Bathin, You are at the foot of the stairs. the The room is kind of rectangular. It's long, and there's All of this display shop floor in the front, and splitting it is a stairwell leading up to the second floor of this building. You're at the base of it, watching your friends and companions carry out the work that's so important for them to do right now. But you're just a little perplexed. Right. The rain is slamming into the building from outside. There's a few windows. It's night, and the moon is crisp and blue, and casting these long beams across the floor. You can hear the wind howling through the wood slats that cover the floor and the wall of the ceiling. This whole building is like made of almost newer planks, like new wood, like it's a new building. But the way the wind just carries through this thing makes the whole structure seem like it's whistling. I look up the stairs. They kind of turn at an angle, at a 90 degree angle to the right, heading up, further up into the structure. All wood. Where's Merrick? Merrick. So you're at the back of this rectangular room. You can see Andrei, um hammering some boards across the front door. You can see Abadvir wiping down all the... Ca- vigorously cleaning. He's now standing on like a chair so he can get to the middle of it because he's a little shorter. and Not super short, but, you know, a little shorter than average. It's tough to reach all of the spaces he needs to clean right now. You would assume Merrick is around the corner because you can hear a kettle whistling. and Okay.
3: Yeah, I guess go into the room. All right.
1: So you're in this rectangular showroom floor. There's nothing really to show, but you can smell baked goods and sugars and honeys. It smells really sweet in here and very, very powerful. Lots of like flowery baking aromas. But there's nothing in the cases. No, not here yet, no. mm -mm. The counter that Abavir is wiping down, There's. There's cooking space behind there. There's lots of it. There's, there's a big oven. There's a whole space to bake and everything right behind the counter. Seems like the ovens are going.
3: Right. That's probably where the halfling is. All right, so I'll go around the corner. Into the kitchen area yeah, the, where Merrick is? Yeah, that's where the halfling will be.
1: Right, there's a little stove. Merrick is finishing up four cups of really, really strong tea.
2: What are you baking? Baking? I'm not baking anything. I'm making tea. So who's who's baking? Wait, someone's supposed to be baking.
1: So what's Andre doing now that she's finished nailing the third board across the door?
4: She is following the delightful aroma of butter in the air.
1: And just the hint of sulfur—it's very subtle, but you know, it's probably a baking thing.
4: So she looks towards the kitchen um, after checking if her work is done mm-hmm. by the door smelling that delightful aroma of butter and sulfur which is not bad it's just weird and different right right with her many many years uh on this earth she learned that people use some weird secret ingredients that make delightful food (laughs) yes
3: doesn't sulfur smell like
5: rotten eggs a little bit yeah
4: doesn't mean that it's a bad smell. <laughs>
2: Don't judge my tea.
5: said Abavir was cleaning vigorously right now. like the Yeah, pale. yeah, yeah. You're cleaning this decorating surface. It needs to be very clean. Abavir is really focusing on trying to clean this surface, but is starting to become really distracted by the baking smell. Yes. It's like, what is that delicious aroma? Like, where is it coming from? Just beyond the counter. Yes. Yeah, it's just in the back kitchen.
3: <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud here. Why are you boarding up the door?
1: Why are you boarding up the door?
4: I don't know, Ross. Why am I boarding up the door? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're you're staring at these three planks that are freshly strapped across the front door. You don't remember. Hmm. You're searching you, you don't remember putting up the other two either.
4: Um Andre just looks at the door and back at Bathin, hammer and her hand just with a lost expression on her face it's like um i was hammering boards to this door right it seems like my work beautifully done perfection (laughs) maybe it's something in the air the smell might be giving me a headache I might be lightheaded something You're I definitely
1: don't. lightheaded for sure. And tired.
4: Which is unusual since I don't even right. sleep.
1: And now that you can see your arms, there's a little bit of bruising too.
4: <gasps> My beautiful arms. Did I drop something? Did it did I carry something? I, I have unusual bruises that I don't commonly have. I don't
3: remember coming down the stairs.
1: No, you don't. You don't remember going up them, either.
5: Abavir, why are you cleaning that counter? I don't know why I'm cleaning this counter. I don't remember where this rag came from. Getting supplies to clean the counter. As he's talking, I walk over and get some tea. It's really strong.
1: Merrick has four glasses all prepped up. Dark tea. Smells lovely good pick-me-up.
2: Everyone ready for some tea?
1: Which you don't remember starting to brew.
2: Merrick leans into the four cups trying to Mm -hmm. get a feel of the smells, figure out what specifically he made and maybe why. Okay, is that a roll then? I think that's a roll. I'd say it'd be investigation. Investigation, sounds good. What is your uh, bonus to this? My investigation rule will have a plus two. So
1: your bonus is minus one total. Go ahead and roll it. All right. I, I rolled a five. Okay. That's not great. Um, it's tea. It's really strong tea. You don't really remember making it. You don't remember putting in any ingredients, but you don't remember putting in anything bad either. I mean, you remember pouring it because you just did that.
2: I can distinctly remember pouring it, but I'm not sure where everything to make the tea came from. I'm not sure where these cups came from. This kettle, if we can call it a kettle. Um, something seems off.
1: Yeah, really, really off, as there's a crash of thunder and a bright flash of lightning lighting up this room a little bit more. The soft blue from the moon just cut with that
3: bright white. So there are windows. Yeah, yeah, some. Mm-hmm. Everybody stop what you're doing for a second. We do so. Set my teeth down on the counter, the clean counter. Right, right. It's beautiful. Well done. And look out the window. It
1: is horrendous outside. The wind is just whistling through this building. Is that hail? It's like slamming almost like it is a violent storm outside, which you kind of recall. Something was important about that.
4: Are we all experiencing the same lightheadedness? And do you guys also don't recall starting the activities that we were doing?
2: Not a clue. Yeah, and
1: you know, your vision's a little blurry, Merrick.
4: Well, something is wrong in this location and we need to figure it out why or what. Um, As I cast the Vine Sense.
1: Okay. What is this paladin sense that you have uh, look like? How does that work?
4: So when it's something um, malignant, it is like a high pitch noise. Okay. And when it's something benign, it's almost like a very sweet melody oh, that starts okay. playing in my ears.
1: So you don't, you don't feel any of that music or any of that high pitch whine. There's just that sulfur smell kind of under everything, but, I mean, it spells more like baked goods and, and honey buns and that kind of thing here.
2: While Andrei is trying to sense out what's going on, Merrick is pulling out his lyre. Which he does not have.
1: Hmm. Yeah, and you don't remember where you left it either. In fact, trying to piece the day together is difficult.
2: What are you missing, Merrick? My lyre's gone. Actually, I don't believe I have any of my instruments on me.
3: Why don't you have your instruments on you, Merrick? I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen that halfling without a musical instrument.
4: Does anyone else smell the sulfur in the air?
3: I'll cast Detect Magic. Pull my sleeves up to my elbow couple of uh, contorted hand signs. Sure. Fetoc mortis, cali aliosis.
1: And you cast Detect Magic.
3: Yes. So there is some light
1: traces of magic within short range of you, mostly centered around the like cooking equipment and that kind of thing.
3: Mm-hmm. So I'll focus. I'm looking to see if there's any visible object or creature in the area.
1: Um, no. I mean, the magical traces is there's this one really big oven that's really hot, um, so that's got some magical traces in there. It could be what's inside it, too. I mean... There's a whole bunch of cakes. These crescent moon cakes laid out on this big flat surface inside the oven.
5: Abivir at this time has like had enough of this. The smelling the sweets. And sure. Just is going over to these ovens and investigating them. Like,
1: oh, there are these cakes that are about to come out. They smell amazing. Now there's another big pantry area in the back here. There are tons of baked goods already laid out in these baskets in the back. They're just waiting to be decorated. You can smell all sorts of other sweets coming from back here. There's other rooms attached to this kitchen area and you can just smell these fragrant aromas coming from them.
3: So I'm gonna start opening doors and looking around and Okay,
1: so you open the first door. It's like a double wooden door. You open it wide. It's this tall pantry area full of shelving. It's got baskets and baskets and baskets of baked goods and honey buns and sweet buns and all sorts. This is where most of the smell is coming from.
4: Andri walks towards uh, the oven. Right, yeah. She looks inside the oven and she recognizes that symbol. Yeah, yes, it's
1: the symbol, well, one of the symbols of Corallon in cake
4: form. And it
1: looks like they're gonna be delicious very soon.
4: I wonder if they're offerings. Um, you
1: don't remember
4: I know and as I look and recognize the symbol of my god
1: which you do remember
4: I do remember that's my god yep. Yes, I look to the party and what are we doing here what is this place
5: Avivir's running around excitedly now looking at all the sweets looking into the pantries I think we've died and we're in heaven <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he
1: might not be wrong. You don't remember walking into this building.
4: And the fact that it's surrounded by symbols of my god makes me believe him. (laughs) I might have gone to my god's heaven.
2: It's true. Then why are we here? Why are the rest of us here?
1: Yeah, none of you remember the four of you try to piece together the day?
4: Yes. All
1: right. You're having a conversation over strong tea with the aroma of baked goods and candies in the air and just a hint of sulfur. What's the hint? Together you're spotty at best on just being in this building. You decide to flash back all the way to the first point you all share a memory. You're coming down a beautiful dirt road. The sun is shining. You can see down these rolling hills, a large port city with a wall. That's definitely where you're going. But just over it is these dark, dark clouds just pouring down precipitation onto that area. You can see it moving its way up the hill in big sheets. And Abavir, you get really, really excited. This is a well-traveled road. And although you're not terribly far from town, You can see farmland, just a little bit, a small little flour mill, some livestock, a chicken coop. And when you put these things together in your brain, you know that can mean only one thing, bakery, (laughs) sweet shops. And sure enough, just off the left side of the road, the top of this hill is this large two-story building. It's all made of this old wood and it's long and rectangular you see a sign that says the Southern Sweet Shop. And as you're riding in your little travel cart pulled by your horses, that storm is approaching so fast. And the smell is so good. And you're so hungry. I mean, you've just come from an adventure and a performance. It's a matinee for your little troupe, So you, of course, decide to pop in and purchase some
2: sweets.
3: Pull the flap shut on the wagon so that nothing gets wet. Pull it up close to the side of the building to kind of shelter it a little bit from that.
1: Right, right. Yeah, there's a little overhang in front of the large windows displaying all sorts of
5: baked goods inside.
4: Well, this place seemed as good as any for us to make a pause on our trip.
5: Yes, I've heard many things of this place. They have the best sweets in the land. Yeah, they have a really
1: special one called taffy. It's this really long and stringy and chewy and gooey sweet. It comes in lots of bright, vibrant colors. It's delicious.
4: And we lost our dwarf.
5: Ophir's <laughs> <laughs> running up to the front running the up to the building shop. like I'm ready to go inside. There's a nice little bell on the front door
1: and a "Come in, we're open" sign. He just busts in oh and you're smashed full in the face with all of the smells there are chocolates and honeys and sugars and lots of puff pastries and just fantastic buttery goodness when you walk in it's like a rectangular shop floor there's like cabinets and display cases and they've all got little cookies and treats in it And behind the counter, in front of the kitchen, is this very nice looking woman. She's got a little bit of gray in her hair, it's pulled back all tight, and she's wearing a big apron on top of her dress. And she smiles at you so warmly when you come in. Hello, welcome! Hello. I'm here to eat everything. (laughs) Oh! Well, mind you, we have a big festival coming up, so we'll have to be choosy, but I'm sure we have plenty for you. Is this your first time visiting?
5: Yes, but I've heard many great things. Oh, you have to try the taffy. Who's that with you? Come in! Come in! Bathan gets up from the ground where he fell off the wagon. Uh
3: (laughs) Uh-huh. somehow got his foot tangled in the reins. Right. And, uh, ties the horses off and then goes inside. It's a beautiful candy shop, Bathan.
2: Merrick is slowly following behind Abavir trying to keep him on track uh-huh. and noticing the very friendly woman as well Hello, mm-hmm. ma'am how are you oh i am lovely today how are you she smiles down at you doing fantastic so it looks like you've interested our uh, lovely friend here
1: Yes, he simply must have the taffy. Here's a little something for you. She picks up this little tiny cookie bit off of the counter and hands it to you with a little set of wooden tongs.
2: Thank you very much. As she hands the cookie to Merrick, he pulls out a copper piece from his pocket. She waves you off. No, 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 no. Not yet, not yet. Well, thank you very much. Flick it up in the air and wave his hands as if to make it disappear, and casts Detect Thoughts. Oh, excellent. With Detect Thoughts, I can initially learn the surface thoughts of uh, the creature that I'm focusing on, Okay. Uh, what is currently in their mind at the moment. She wants to get you guys fed with some candy and baked goods. She's also got a big festival
1: coming up that she's baking a lot for. Hmm. Will the spell let you get anything
2: else? I am able to probe further with the spell, Okay. However, it will alert the one I'm focusing on to the fact that I'm using it on them.
1: Oh, so you, this nice old lady, would know you're using magic to detect your thoughts if
2: you press it any farther? Exactly. So what and are you going to do? I don't have the inkling that I need to do that yet. Right. The operative word being yet. I'm talking to a woman, asking her if anything special is happening around town in the near future. We're having
1: a big harvest festival. We're going to celebrate all of the gods and goddesses. Ooh, lovely. It's going to be fantastic.
4: Are you guys open for new acts or?
1: Acts? Are you performers?
4: Yes, we are a traveling troupe.
1: Wonderful. There's a small child at the um, platform of the stairs. So in this big display room, there's stairs that kind of separate the room in half. And right on that top landing is a small boy dressed in pants and a light tunic. And he sees all of your instruments, Merrick's, and he hears performers and he just lights up. (gasps) Are you performers? (gasps) Have you come for the festival? He scurries downstairs, making a lot of noise on the wood as he goes. Well, yes, young one. Looks like now we're here
2: for your festival. (gasps) I've always wanted to learn how to play music. Oh, we would be delighted to try and teach you. Merrick is changing his focus of detect thoughts from the old woman Over to the small child to see how he's feeling outside of his obvious Oh, man, is
1: it fast. Yeah, it's just he wants to show you a bunch of stuff. He wants to see your your liar. He wants to learn how to play that. He wants to learn how to play those flute things. He also wants some candy because it's been a little minute. And he really likes taffy. And he thinks you're really going to like taffy. And everybody should really eat lots and lots of candy and baked goods and have lots of fun and learn how to play music and perform.
3: Sounds like a child. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's having a blast already. Look at these cookies. This counter, they're all holy symbols.
4: Oh, I see that you guys are going to be giving offers to the gods? Of course. I'm hoping that Coraline is included.
1: Of course, we're going to be making some crescent moon cakes. We're also working on some starburst shortbread.
4: Delightful, I would love to acquire some and offer it myself to my god.
1: Of course, we'll be able to set you up with a full basket by the end of this. Please start perusing. Have you seen what Gimbo can do with sugars and honeys? Look at the ribboning on this. Isn't it delightful?
4: It is adorable. It is an art in itself.
1: It really is. And that's when a bald, tall gentleman emerges from the kitchen. You are absolutely correct. And it's the highest art. He's got an apron on and it's covered in just really bright colors and sticky goo. He's wiping his hands off. In fact, it's the only art that it can appeal to all of your senses. If one does desire connection with anything more than this physical realm has, candy and sugar, this is the way to get there. It's the way to pay homage both as the creator and the inviter.
4: It is indeed an art that sustains life. Therefore, I consider cooking skills one of the most excellent arts that someone can possess.
1: And there's a bright flash of light and a crash of thunder as you're snapped back to the reality of the room you're standing in. That's about all the four of you could put together without holes starting to appear, without things in the room starting to be in different places than it was, things moving faster than they should, your brain making up for the missing chunks of this day.
4: So we can all get to the consensus that we entered this store together mm-hmm, um, absolutely. looking to yeah, escape sure. from the upcoming rain and which is
3: currently raging outside w-
4: which is here oh, oh absolutely but um, also
3: means that whatever has caused us to lose time is something in the store speaking of what's in the store where
2: where are Gimbo the child and the woman you don't remember.
4: Hmm.
3: By chance, does anyone have a copper piece on them? That causes me to think do I have all of my stuff? Because he doesn't have his musical instruments which is weird.
1: Yeah, there's a couple little items missing, but for the most part you have all of your stuff minus a few coins and you're definitely full.
3: That's good. Crack my uh, coin pouch open and toss him a copper piece. Cool. Head towards the stairs.
2: Nimbly catch the copper piece. Thank you. Flicks it up in the air, waves his hands, the copper piece disappears, and I cast Detect Thoughts again. Okay. This time, instead of focusing it on a specific creature, I am looking for anyone else that is within 30 feet of us.
1: Okay. So, you can definitely detect the presence of thoughts all around you. I mean, there's people in your party that you can, are thinking a lot.
2: I mean, yeah, there's thoughts all around you within 30 feet. Barring out those around me, do I feel anyone else's?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nairi, Gimbo, Timo. Yeah, you can sense everybody. They're here. I mean, they're a little farther away, obviously, as they're on the edges, but
2: they're here. Well, in figuring out that Nairi, Gimbo, and the little one are around...
1: Yeah, Timo. Mm-hmm.
2: Timo. Merrick is focusing on Nairi. Okay. How, how is she feeling?
1: Well, she's feeling that this basket's a little heavy, and one of the doors to the kitchen opens, and you can see Nairi. She's there. Her hair's all pulled back, a little gray. She's got her nice dress on and a big apron. She's got a basket full of eggs in her hand. Whew! Well, I've got them. Help? Yes.
5: Amavir hurriedly rushes over to assist Nairi with the egg basket. Yeah, you know, it's not that heavy, but
1: you know, <laughs> she's walking away. Just go ahead and set that down on the counter over there. I'll go see how the butter's coming along. And she backs out of the kitchen, shutting the door behind her. Thank you. So you have a basket of eggs.
5: (laughs) Do the eggs smell rotten? No,
1: but you do still smell a little bit of sulfur. But, you know, it could just be the
5: kitchen. Mm -hmm. I set those eggs down on the table the very clean table Mm -hmm. yeah there's some big mixing dishes
4: okay so everything suspicious started happening as we entered yeah when you
1: when you came in the shop before the rain started
4: so so andre's gonna confidently walk towards nary
1: she already left
4: yes she's gonna go after her she saw where she went as always, Andriy just walks taller than she actually is. There's sure. something about her that it's no nonsense, and she's going to get some answers. Okay. So she opens that door, knowing that she's not going to leave without knowing what's happening.
1: Okay, so you open the door. It opens into a, an entire other room. There's some kind of big geary. It, it's, it's got a lot of machinery. And you can see Gimbo. He's on what appears to be some kind of crank contraption. He's just spinning this giant wheel which is causing this other gear to turn and there's connecting pieces leading into the wall in a whole bunch of different places from this center room. Gimbo looks back at you. Hey, looking for Nairi?
4: Nairi, you, um, doesn't matter. I just want answers to what is happening in the store.
1: Okay, uh, Nairi just went down to the creamery to get some butter. I'm trying to get it all churned, as he continues to move this big hand crank.
4: In this weather?
1: Yeah, we've got a, we've got a room for it.
4: Oh, okay. Um, what is happening? I demand answers. There's something really wrong with my party. Uh, we have holes in our memory, and it all started after we entered your store.
1: What do you mean, exactly? We're here to create the artistry of of candy and confectionery. And from inside the kitchen, the door shuts from that gear ring. So the three of you are in the kitchen with Andre separated from
3: the group. I've actually walked back to the stairs. Yeah. Because I'm smart enough to know that one of the ways you can bring your memory back is retrace your steps. Sure, absolutely. So I'm literally retracing my steps. Okay. I'm going to uh, stand at the bottom of the stairs when I first remember. Yes. And uh, go ahead and spend a plot point. Ooh, okay. Since we're waffling about a little bit. And, all right. Uh, back myself up the stairs the way I would have come down them. And that is going to help jar my memory for why I was upstairs and what I was doing coming down.
1: Yeah. So you start recreating this memory. It's piecing itself together backwards, retracing yourself all the way up the steps you can see the landing on the second floor. There's some bedrooms you're You're in one of the rooms with timol he's He's talking to you about how it's so important that you stay the night and stay awake. The storm is too strong. You can't go out in it, and you mustn't fall asleep yet now. go tell all of your friends. help them finish boarding up the door, okay. But it, it, it feels different than when you met him the first time, right He feels more familiar, like you're more acquainted with him. and it seems to be the, you know the same night, right? And that's what you remember. It all floods back to you as you're standing at the base of the stairs looking up.:
2: Well at this point Andre has walked out towards she's walked out of the kitchen. Okay. Yes mm-hmm. can I still detect? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're all here. I'm probing into her thoughts now. Okay, so how does that change this spell? So with this, I can delve deeper and probe further into her thoughts. This will require a wisdom save. Okay. On her part. Okay. And either way, if she succeeds or fails, she'll know I'm doing this.
1: Okay, so she is going to know you are using magic to detect her thoughts. Yes, absolutely. Okay, she's gonna feel him in her
2: brain. (gasps) Get out of my head. So it's a wisdom save. What's the DC? DC of fifteen. Oh, well, I failed. So what happens? Fantastic. From here, I can delve deeper into her thoughts. I can gain insight to any any reasoning she's had, uh, emotional state, something that's looming heavy in her mind. Worries. Sure, okay. So just kind of the full gamut of everything intellectual and mm-hmm. emotional about Nairi. Whatever she's thinking, whatever's passing through her mind, even if it's a million miles a minute, it's now coming to me.
1: Okay, so she is super excited about this festival, about keeping the bakery going. She's so excited you're all here. Gimbo's really excited that you're all here. Timo's really excited that you're all here. Andre's really excited that you're all here. Bathan is just beside himself right now. Abadvir is ecstatic. He's going to eat every single thing in this building. Everyone is just happy to consume and to eat and to not leave and stay awake. It's really important. And then, of course, she thinks about how somebody's detecting her thoughts right now and how neat that is.
2: With her knowing that I've used magic on her, yes. she can now do a contested intelligence save to end the spell. Oh. Okay, well, the spell ends, but she was really excited that you were doing it at least, and you know, she had a lot of thoughts going on in her head. Abavir, I think we need to go follow Andre, or at least find Bathan to bring him along.
3: Bathan has gone up the stairs to the bedroom, because why not split the party?
1: <laughs> so Bathan, you climb up these really creaky wood stairs, there's big gaps between all of these new wood planks inside, the whole hallway's lined with them, ceiling, walls, floor, every bit of it. You hit that familiar bay landing for the second story, and you could see little Timmel's room right there on the left. Knock on the door. It echoes softly into the room, and then the door slowly creaks open. It's a little dark inside, but, you know, you've got some of that moonlight streaming through a window and some of the spaces in the boards.
3: Timol? i remember that i was supposed to not let anyone fall asleep and the storm was strong but i don't remember why
1: and he's in the corner of the room behind you sort of you walked into the room door opens in and he's standing in the left corner behind you everyone's got to stay awake it's really important so we need to finish baking all of the food for the festival we're going to be up all night for sure but why what do you mean, why? Because look at everything. He picks up a little cake in his room. Look at this cake. Do you see see the taffy ribbon on
0: it?
3: But I'm not a baker. What do you mean? I'm a much better wizard than I am a baker. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you can be both.
1: The door shuts behind you. What's going on? So what are you guys doing downstairs in the kitchen?
5: Did you see where Andri went? Uh, Yes,
2: she followed Nairi back into the kitchen. Should be through that door over there.
5: Avivir walks over towards the door and gives it a good, like, tries to open it. And it is locked. She so wants to use his strength to, like, knock down the door.
1: Okay, let's make a strength or athletics check.
5: Whichever you'd prefer.
1: What's your uh, total bonus?
5: That's going to be plus seven athletics. What the heck?
1: All right, so that's going to be plus three. Go ahead, give it a roll. So that's 20. A 20? So you rolled a 17? Yes. Oh, my gosh kidding me all right well your mountain dwarf body hurtles through the wood door like the cannonballs your friends shoot at you <laughs> and you smash the door to absolute splinters
3: <laughs> no door can
5: that? stand up to my strength
3: <laughs> he says holding the door doorknob
5: <laughs> <laughs> i continue on to like search for andre
1: so you can see her, she's um, talking to Gimbo, who's moving this big hand crank in the center of this room. There's lots of like big oversized gear and machinery used to power the butter churns and the taffery and everything like that. What is really unusual is Gimbo's kind of leaning over her. He's flexing in a way that seems very, very unnatural. And just as you're picking up speed to get to her, you, you hit something slick and gooey. I need a dexterity save, please. So what's your what's your bonus total? That's plus two in that. So that is going to be minus one.
5: All right.
1: So that's ten. A ten. Oh, no, that is unfortunately not enough. Your heel hits the goo, and you get one of those nice little, like, hydroplane slides for a few feet, and then fall right on your butt and continue the rest of the slide, getting this slick
2: ick all up your back here, are you okay? There shouldn't have been anything that made you fall. So you're
1: still in the kitchen yelling this at him? And Nairi appears right in the doorway with a big bowl of, of butter, it looks like? I don't know, some kind of fatty, congealed thing. Whew, that was a lot of work. Here, take this. Go set it next to the oven. It'll keep it soft. I can't hold that. It's too big for me.
2: What do you mean the bowl's too big for you? Just take it with both
5: hands. I can't
2: do that. Why not? Because you know what's going on. You're excited. Why oh, are you excited? Because we're baking. Baking is the best thing ever.
1: Baking what? So, Andre, Gimbo's talking to you. He's super excited, even though he's moving this hand crank. And he's, he's just going on and on about the artistry of the craft and how it contributes to the overall festival. But he is... He's leaning over you. He's swooping, and it's a bit
3: much. Okay. He's in your space.
4: Yeah, he's definitely in my space, and I don't enjoy it unless um, invited in. Mm-hmm. Andri puts her hand on his chest in order to create a distance. Okay. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful and all, but what I want right now are answers of why are we locked in here and why there are pieces of our memories missing
1: what do you mean there's pieces of your memory missing
4: after we enter the store and start having a conversation for some reason there are pieces of my friends and mine memories that are simply gone and I have no other reason to believe it's not related to something that you guys done to us
1: so, Bathan is upstairs in Timo's room.
3: The door's shut and I said, what's going on?
1: Yeah, the small child was backing into the corner. You know, he was pressed there, but he's backing up the corner. He put his feet up on the wall, his hands, and he's- He's
3: backing up the corner.
1: He's backing- <laughs> Like
4: a spider. Up the corner. It's always the children.
1: You can see Merrick's lute, his other instruments, they're in the room. We're hungry.
3: <laughs> That's not creepy. And you can't sleep yet. Not until we're done.
4: Yet.
3: I don't want to sleep, I want to know what's going on.
1: In the gear room, Gimbo, he's next to the wall. You've pressed your hand against him, Andre, and pressed him back to the wall. The wood slats there, you just keep pressing. He keeps folding in, rolling up on himself, turning gray, black, smelling of sulfur, and squeezing himself into the wall. The butter crashes to the floor as Nairi dissipates into the floorboards, sucking through at quick velocity. Up in the bedroom, Timmel's fully in the top corner now.
3: Fathan is a little put off by the child who's climbing the wall. Uh, Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Just a little
3: bit. So I'm going to back
1: away. He's in the top corner in that weird backwards spider position. He starts turning gray and goopy, and he just screams down, stop! So I'm going to need a wisdom saving throw. I rolled a 16, which means I
3: got a 21.
1: Oh, so that is a resist then, correct? I think we need our Kana check. What's your total bonus? Plus seven. So that is going to be plus six for this. 17. All right. You can sense some kind of innate force, and you're trying to move, but it's your own body's resisting you, but only for a moment. Okay. And I think that's going to be initiative, probably. Okay. All right, everybody, roll it up.
4: Yeah.
1: All right, what did everybody get? I've got a full range from 21 to 1. Fourteen.
4: I have a six.
1: Thirteen. I have 18. Okay, perfect. So on 21, Timel starts moving towards you. More like over you, really. So he moves from the top of the corner and starts pressing himself flat against the ceiling and then dripping down on top of you with these fat pseudopods swinging all around you, Bathan. Ew. It's gray and disgusting. and stinks of sulfur. Oh, and I'm probably going to hit you with a 25. Yeah. And I'm going to need a wisdom saving throw. Okay. You'll be minus four to it. All right. Well, I got a six. All right. Well, that is not great, Bathan. These pseudopods start wrapping around you in this thick, taffy-like cocoon and squeezing and pressing all around your body and head and it starts seeping into your brain Ew. and starts eating your memories. Parts of your childhood start disappearing from your brain. This thing is consuming you. It is becoming you. Oh, gosh. So you're going to take... 24 points Ooh. of damage.
3: Jiminy and Christmas. that's going
1: to be largely psychic as your memories are eaten. This little D4 that I've been rolling for you the whole time, yeah. that's now a D6.
3: Gemini Christmas. Am I grappled or is that just the attack?
1: That's a pseudopod attack Okay. from this oblek that you're fighting. All right.
2: I believe that's Merrick next. All right. So Merrick is stunned to the fact that Nyri is... Melting into the floor? Melted. Gone. Melted into the floor. All right. So with this, I'm going to spend a plot point. Okay, excellent. And as Nyri melts into the floor, she leaves my special pan flute, which I run over, slide, and grab. The
1: pan flute that we all thought was actually upstairs? Yes. But is
2: left on the floor
1: as Nyri dissipates through it and leaves your flute there covered in this gray black fleck goo. This ooze. Ugh.
4: You gotta put your mouth in it now. You yeah.
1: gotta blow the ooze out from just, inside, too. It's pretty gross.
2: <laughs> Begrudgingly, I use the flute just to empty it out of the goo.
3: So, on 14? On 14, can I back towards the door, or is he between me and the door? Oh, I mean, he's up on the ceiling. Yeah,
1: he's all around you now. <laughs> Got Timmel's face staring at you. And Gimbos and Nairies. That's creepy.
3: Yeah. I'm going to maneuver around the goo that's dripping down. Yeah, it's hard in such a small little bedroom. To the door. And uh, open the door and use the rest of my move to get out and down the stairs.
1: All right. As so you start running out of Timmel's bedroom. You have that little landing and start slamming your way down these wooden steps. And
3: also I'm going to go, ah!
1: In the distance you all hear a <laughs> scream. But on 13, Abadvir, you slipped and all of this ooze. And ick, and well, creature, because like oozes are actual things, mm-hmm. and you're learning that the hard way as a bunch of them start slamming their weird, gross bodies into you. They're these little greenish, gray, black spawns of icker and filth. And right, I'm just gonna roll some attacks all at once, just for ease. That is, two of them are very good, one of them is not. Will a 22 and a 23 hit you? Yes. So, are you raging yet, or do you have any of your resistances going?
5: Not currently, no. Oh,
1: okay. All right. Well, that will be
5: 13 total, and that was on 13, right? Yep. So I'm gonna get up and rage. (laughs) Okay. I love that (laughs) sentence in general.
0: Gotta get up and rage.
5: Gotta get up and rage. What is this? I'm biting against like what are these it's a small collection of fetid
1: oozes they are absolutely disgusting and crave nothing more than to eat the memories that make you you and they are trying to find any open way into your brain to start munching so I'm gonna attack
5: you're going to attack the oozes yes oh
1: no all right
5: (laughs) I'm gonna swipe him with a great axe. Oh,
1: okay. I guess roll it. How many attacks do you get?
3: Your fifth level. That means a
1: lot, right? (laughs) All right. Attack my oblex (laughs) spawns.
4: Why?
2: (laughs) Yay! no! no.
4: (laughs) His lips on the goo again. Uh,
1: So your first attack is a one? I dropped a one. That's like Mm -hmm. a DM plot point, right? The fumbles when the ones happen? This never happens in the other games we're playing, so this is so new for me. (laughs) All right. Well, you have just got that mountain dwarf fury going. You bring back this glinting great axe in the moonlight, and you go to swing and clearly sever all of these oblex spawns, but... There's one there, where did that third one go? And of course it was under your feet, so as you're swinging the weight of that axe, it just spins you around like a top and flops you right back down in the pile of ick and filth and just splashes (laughs) over you. Welcome to the table, Kevin.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So then I get back up again. And you still get one more attack, right? Yes. Okay.
1: Don't roll one. again. 14. (laughs) So you got a 14 total? Yes. And I've got one on the D4, that is a 13, and that is good enough, unfortunately, for me. Ha! 13. So you cleave through a good chunk of this ooze, you kind of lift it up by the scruff of its filth? I don't know, it's, it's got some bones in it, maybe? I don't know, there's a little bit of structure, but you get it kind of tossed up in the air, and you bring the axe around like a baseball bat, and cut a big chunk of this thing off, which splats to the wood-planked ground. Who's next? I am next. Cool. What do you got?
4: As I had my hand on Gimbo's chest, yes, he started backing away.
1: Started absorbing into the wall and coalescing somewhere else. No. No? Because
4: I'm gonna use my plot point.
1: You're going to use your plot point to do what?
4: His body Uh is still not fully merged, and I'm gonna use snaring strike to surround his body with vines
1: so you're going to use your plot point to prevent him from leaving and then use your action to affect him yes perfect okay we'll make an attack roll they will both be at negative 3 go ahead and roll
4: it okay so I got a good one And a bad one. (laughs) I have a 16, and I have a 4.
1: That will not hit. All right, roll some damage (laughs) for one of them.
4: Um, So I got an 8 with the one that hits.
1: An 8. All right, so you do 8 points of damage, slamming your javelin into this oozy form. These writhing vines come out of it to start entrapping it, entangling it. It starts moving down its form. There's this long strain of, dough or, or filth. The the vine starts wrapping around that at a point and, and squeezing and it separates. Gross. Gimbo's standing there for just a moment. He looks at you with concern and maybe a little fear and then just splashes away into nothing but thick filth. He's gone.
4: Okay.
1: So that's everyone correct? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And sorry, I rolled for all my oblex spawns individually, and then I kind of made them all go at once. So I apologize for that. Uh, that's <laughs> that's back around. They've all already gone, unfortunately. My adult oblex first. All right.
3: Oh, great. I'm fighting the grown up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are.
1: <laughs> but you aren't really, because you had just expertly got out of the tiny little bedroom and ran off the landing and started coming down the stairs and hit that first left turn and Nyri standing in front of you. Where are you going?
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's important to stay here. You can't leave. We're not done. Can I use a free action to just shout, guys, we gotta go.
1: That is a good use of a free action right before an adult oblex pseudopod attack, I feel. Let's see if we're uh, getting some more memories. Is a... 17 gonna do it? yes oh no mm-hmm. I'm gonna need another wisdom saving throw DC 15 minus what? Uh, minus 1 okay so I got it 18 Ah. well the pseudopod wraps around your head and starts worming its way through your ears and nose but you're able to shake it free and pull off even as it pummels you a bit for 20 damage?
3: Uh, that drops me I'm at 0
1: Okay, so you are unconscious, slowly sliding down the stairs on some ooze and ick.
3: So, Bathan, you're next, correct? All right. And I will do nothing but lay there, ooze down the stairs, and make a death save, which I will fail. Oh, no.
2: I hear Bathan yell for us to start leaving. I turn back towards the door and start booting towards the entryway. So you vault over
1: the counter, and you can see Bathan covered in ooze on the floor of the shop. As
2: I see Bathan, I use a bonus action okay. to cast Healing Word. All right, roll it. I will be using it as a third level spell, so I will be rolling 3d4 instead of one. Cool. Thank you. You mm-hmm. will be back up to 11. All right. It's better than zero. <laughs> and from there, I'll call out to him. Let's get a move on. And... <coughs> door and get to door. the door, start door. prying off the boards with my rapier.
1: Okay, let me get a strength check to pry a board off with your rapier, I suppose. Okay, let's hope I am the
2: strongest halfling there is. You're gonna be minus two to this roll. Well, total I
3: will roll in six. Strongest halfling there is, I believe. It yes. works
1: about as well as you'd think using a rapier for a lever on a, <laughs> on a nailed wooden board.
4: Hits you back in the face. <laughs> All
1: alright so that's my oblex spawns turn they are going to jump all over Abadvir's face and try to suffocate and pummel him to death while snacking on his delicious memories remember that one beautiful summer you had when you were like 14 gone oh no that's terrible
4: for him or for you
1: well I got a 20 and 18 and a 16 on the rolls (laughs) so for him yeah so I'm gonna assume all those hit Ross,
4: yes Ross is gonna kill all the party and, and that's the end of the.
1: tell the foes man it's not my fault. So that'll be 20 bludgeoning total from all three uh, but you'll take half of that so that's ten and then there's some psychic damage in addition though that will be seven points full. They are ripping away parts of your memories. You've forgotten how strawberries taste. Sorry! I've dropped somebody and they didn't look at me like you just looked at me. That was
5: amazing.
4: <laughs> how dare you not say
5: doesn't care about that, but. Right. You're, <laughs> you're feeling for it. like, yep. no. Well,
1: you get to go now. So unleash your fury on these <laughs> strawberry taste stealing
5: oozes. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to attack again with my great axe. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: So that's. So I got a 20 and 18. Both of those are going to hit, no <laughs> problem. Yep. Okay. So that's 19 total.
1: All right, well, that is enough to completely obliterate one under your dwarvish foot as you stomp down and this obelisk spawn splatters into a hundred different directions. You bring the head of your axe down towards the ground, cleaving a big chunk of wood out of the floor but doing significant damage to
5: another. And with the rest of my movement, I run towards the door from when I came in. So if you move, I'm
1: going to get some attacks of opportunity. Do you still want to do that?
5: Yes, because I am the strongest dwarf. <laughs> you are the strongest, most goo-resistant dwarf
1: ever. All right, so I'm going to get some attacks of opportunity, plus the like floor is covered in ooze, and you got ooze on the bottom of your foot because you just stomped one to death and that kind of stuff. So I think I'm going to need a
5: dexterity save to be able to run out. Okay, and I also have a trait, Danger Sense, which gives me advantage on dexterity saves. Ah, Okay, well, that'll probably be pretty easy then, so yeah, go ahead and roll
1: that. (laughs) That's ten. Ten. Yeah. 10 is probably enough, since you've got one killed and you're making your way towards the door to get out, but I do still get both those attacks of opportunity, I'm afraid. One of which is going to hit, the other one is an 8, and that's not going to do me any good. It will do 6 points of bludgeoning damage, which will get to half, so that's 3, and then you'll take 4 psychic on top. Okay. But... You manage to free yourself from this weird little grinder gear room and vault over the display counter, splattering goo and ooze from the bottom of your foot across the wall.
4: Who's next? Me, Andri.
1: (laughs) All right, what are you doing?
4: First off, she's going to stare at the play dough that just exploded inside the vines and think to herself, I think I killed it. And as I see everyone running away, I am not going to waste any time, and I'm just going to follow suit.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, you go running out of the back room where you just dispatched Gimbo, sort of. I you think. vault over the display counter that everyone else has had no problem getting over. You're a little shaky this time. There's some extra ooze and ick. You land on the floor of the shop room proper, standing next to Alvavir and Merrick, as Bathan is backing up quickly from a weird amalgamation of the shopkeepers. Yeah, Gimbo's still there, as at least part of him, his head for sure, but that seems to be on like the back. And then he's got an arm bit too, Gross. all attached to some big green-gray mass with black flecks maneuvering its way down the stairs, but also out from under them and oozing all around.
4: So, just pure instinct, because that's what she's used to. She stands between Bathan and the adult oblex thing, Morph.
1: Perfect. Okay. Well, that's back around then, correct? To you! So the Obleck is making its way off the steps. It's lost you, but it's so close to finishing one of you. And it needs your memories to be able to manifest you, to be able to move into the town down the road, to be able to start multiplying the way it should be. Uh, There's a shared memory you all have being very close to this position before three of the shopkeepers spread out before you, attached by thick, doughy tendrils to this massing ooze. And for the second time today, it's going to cast Charm Person on all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this time you are in combat with it, so it had a bit of an easier time with this earlier in the day, so you will all have advantage on this save. Now... Unfortunately, most of you have had your memories eaten, so that's going to cause some problems along the way. It's casting this as a 5th level spell, so it's going to affect all of you. So let's get a wisdom save. Andre, you're going to be minus 4, Abadvir, you're going to be minus 2, Merrick, you're going to be minus 4, and Bathan gets the d6 at minus 6.
5: Mm.
1: All right, so you had advantage this time. How'd it go?
4: I got a 13.
1: A 13 is not going to be enough. Of course. I got a 15. A 15 will be enough. Dang it. 16.
2: 16 is going to be enough. And I'm unlucky with an 8. An An 8? With advantage? You got an 8? Oh, my. I'm not wise. All right.
1: (laughs) Well, no, you are. You are very wise because you finally understand that your friends here have your best interests at heart, and you absolutely need to stay here. It makes so much sense to not leave. I mean, because it's raining really hard outside. Plus, they're just trying to you know eat, and they're they're gonna feed you, and everybody's gonna get lots of food stuff with all the treats and confectionaries that they're making for Coraline. I mean, they're good people. They're they're honest, good people, and you should probably listen to them. They're your, your acquaintances.
4: Exactly. They are adoring my god, and right. therefore I need to stay here and help them with yes. prayers.
1: And especially with your friend Batham, for sure, because oh. he's delicious.
4: Yeah, Bathan definitely needs to stay here.
1: <laughs> so that's my turn, right? Otherwise, I'm going to spread out a little bit. I mean, there's these tendrils that are connected to... The representations of the old shopkeepers who have long since passed, unfortunately. They move along, keeping their backs to the wall, so they're kind of hiding the tendrils that's connecting it. This ooze keeps seeping in and out of the walls. It's as if it had the space specifically built once it had moved in.
3: Right. My turn? Yes, I believe so. I'm kind of on the prone still, backing away. Yes. I feel like it's still too tight quarters for Fireball. So it's pretty tight quarters. So I'm going to s- turn around and just say, as I wave my hand, Aloha Mora and cast knock.
1: Oh, on the front door? <laughs> yes. So that, that works, I mean, right? Even though it's not specifically locked yes, per se? Yes, it, it says barred. Barred, Lock, isn't or Not as in your party member. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, um, I guess boards fly off the wall, right? Yeah. As a loud clap of thunder rents through the air, the boards fly out of the wall, shedding their nails that Andre put there so carefully.
3: I'm assuming I I know that charm was cast? Yeah. Do I know who's been affected by it? I mean, you could probably tell by their posture. All right, Uh, then I will say Abafir grab the paladin and move half my move, because I stand up, towards Merrick. All right, so
1: uh, the four of you are huddled near the front door, boards lying on the other side of the shop floor thanks to a well-timed knock spell, which I'm a little upset about, but.
4: (laughs) (laughs) The dwarf hugs my legs.
1: (laughs) That's when my obelisk spawns start oozing their way over the counter, start dripping from the corner of the shop, start coming out of the ceiling seeping up from the floor pouring in from the walls dripping down the stairs moving as a mass of intelligent hungry ooze coming to eat you all now unfortunately I'm a lot slower than you and you ran and vaulted and did all sorts of crazy things so it's going to take me probably the whole turn to get towards you
3: you've got six seconds to get out of here
4: why would we leave? (laughs)
3: I was talking to the dwarf.
4: But why would you leave? It's such a magical place. It's almost time for the offering.
2: They're going to feed us. Why would we want to go? Avivir, why would you want to go? We're going to get sweets. They're friendly. Super They're friendly. They're really friendly. Did you see the taffy ribbon?
4: I mean, they adore Corlin.
2: Yeah, there's no reason for us to leave. I think we'll be fine. And with that, I will hold my action.
4: Get them out of
3: here.
2: Avivir, what are you doing? Your turn next?
5: Yes. So, with my turn, I'm going to focus my efforts on grabbing Andre. Okay. And rush for the door. Okay. But I also want to use a plot point. Sure, for what? And I want to somehow make it where I can, as I scoop up Andre, I pick up Merrick in the same swoop. Like, maybe the javelin hooks him.
1: Okay, so you like you grab Andre and swing her around, basically hooking
2: Merrick with her javelin to then pull him out as well.
1: Am yes. I following
5: that? Yes.
2: Okay, sure. Yeah. So 100, percent that turns Andre into an improvised weapon, and we'll be getting a D4 of damage to that. Am oh, I gonna do damage too? Mm-hmm. Awesome. It also break the spell. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> any harmful, <laughs> any harmful action towards a. Creature or person that is affected by a charm person will cause the spell to break. Wait, so, like, even if it's your friend? Uh huh. Oh,
1: right, because you're like, if you walked up and slapped somebody, okay. Um.
4: Yeah. Also, right now, we don't really think he's our friend because he wants to run away and right. we want to stay, so he's our enemy. So,
1: so, oh gosh, so they're kind of fighting you as you're doing this, causing two points of damage apiece, but breaking
2: them out of their charm? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, thank you, friend of me Oh god, we're gonna be eaten
3: yes. be wary of a player who says he wants to take damage Yeah, I should I feel like I should have seen that like <laughs> Way
1: ahead and walked right into it that It
4: starts with a whole Rude, the part is about to start Take me away from here, this is a disgusting place
1: <laughs> The moonlight shining The rain starting to let up The hails died down You can see the lights of that port city Just in the distance down the hill you're almost out Who's next?
4: Okay, so as I am being carried out of the shop
1: in the night and the rain
4: And the night and the rain and the moon yep. light touches me kindling me with my god I will bless my friend Bathan.
1: Ah, uh, lovely. All right. Bathan, you are blessed with the glory and warmth of Corolan.
3: Yay.
4: Actually, all of them are going to be touched by my blessing.
1: So that'll be
2: back around? Before that, I do have a held action. Oh, right. Gosh, that seems like a while ago. As a final attempt to help Bathan, I will use my last third-level spell slot to cast Hypnotic Pattern in an area just away from Bathan, but along the Oblex.
1: Okay, sure. Yeah, you can see the... The Obelix standing on the steps, well, Lisa, as the version of the three shopkeepers connected by tendrils to a fat sack of goo and body parts and that sort
2: of thing.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: Try a hypnotic pattern. A nice, wavy, vibrant pattern, much like the northern lights start streaming above the Obelix, trying to incapacitate them and keep their attention. So that's a, that's a charm, correct? It is indeed a charm. Unfortunately, this
1: creature is not phased by your your patterns. It's as if it doesn't really see, actually. It just kind of knows what's around it. It doesn't have those kind of sensors, even though it can mimic them through amorphous form. Well, that's unfortunate. It is. I do appreciate the effort. It does as well. And that's back around,
3: correct? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's your turn. So the three of them start fanning out. Nairi in the center, little Timo runs around and starts shutting the door, although runs around isn't the right word, he kind of soaks into the floor and then appears up behind you and shuts the door, and Gimbo comes at you from the other side, trying to wrap both his arms around you and pull you in for a big
3: hug. Right. It's an attack. It is an attack. (laughs) Um, 13? 13 hits. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Reaction. Shield. Reaction shield, he says. <laughs> <laughs> um, as he comes in, I, I cross my arms in front of me and then fan them out real quick and cast shield, which is a reaction spell. Okay. Which means for uh, one round, my armor class is increased by five. So, so that means you my missed. 13 misses now? Yes. And because I'm an juror, that means I get uh, a bunch of hit points. Oh, gosh. 14 <laughs> temporary hit points.
1: So the wizard's frail little arms separate out, <laughs> deflecting the... Oozing creature, and he gives a little bicep flex. Like little he's got a couple of of points back. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs>
1: Alright. Well, you have prevented the attack. I, I don't think I get a save the door shut, but I think it's your turn. Alright, so, uh.
3: uh d- d- d-
1: how big is the room? Not big. You know, it's rectangular, so it's wider than it is deep. It's probably not more than, like, 20 feet from the front door to the stairs.
3: Okay, that'll be enough. Okay. I'm probably gonna get singed. I'm casting fireball on the steps.
1: Okay, you will be within 20 feet of the steps, yeah, because it kind of curves around to the right, and there's the wall and everything.
3: So I don't really know if i would to roll well or bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if I roll just right, it drops me without killing me, and then maybe they can get me out. So
1: you're 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 fireballing yourself. <laughs> Kinda. I will
3: not stop you. <laughs> all
4: right.
3: <laughs> Can I borrow uh, three d sixes? Thirty-six points of damage. Dex save for half. It's fire damage, if that matters.
1: It really, really does. I did not make my save. I either. did make my
3: save. Uh, I rolled an eighteen. My DC is uh, seventeen.
1: All right. So you take half. I take all of it. Yes. So it's a bunch of fresh wood in here You know the oven's going it's hot. Oh
3: everything in the area that's flammable and not handled is on fire Yeah so it's that's pretty the much
1: the whole thing <laughs> Yeah the, the entire Bottom floor of
3: the shop Is now on fire What's important for me is It was enough damage to drop me to zero But not enough damage to kill me outright Right So I'm laying by the burning door <laughs> The whole
1: shop's on fire You can hear screams from inside, haunted mouths crying out in agony. And the three of you are just outside a blazing inferno in a candy shop. Andre, Abadvir, Merrick, what are you doing? Get to the door.
4: We need to get him.
1: The door's on fire,
2: probably. Everything inside's on fire.
4: Well, kick it, it's gonna fall.
2: Dwarf, be a cannonball. Break the door. Can only you quench the door?
4: <laughs> Can I grab him and throw him at the door?
1: <laughs> so you want to open the door to the flaming sweet shop and the monster.
4: Yes, because Bathan is there and we are good, good, good friends. You're All resi- right.
2: Dwarf, you're resistant to fire. Get
5: it.
4: Go get it. Go.
2: Go
5: now. Out of here goes and
1: opens the door. Alright, the door opens, the creature is on fire, screaming in agony and panic and will do anything it can to get out of this room, especially going through you. (laughs) So I'm going to attack as I am running through you and on fire. Now this creature has an aversion to fire, of course, so it does get a disadvantage on this, which is very fortunate, so I got an 11. And that doesn't hit. Well, this flaming ooze starts pouring out of the building, leaking out of the sidewall, trying to get out into the night and into the rain. I think you'll get an attack of opportunity against it as it moves away from the flaming sweet shop.
5: Okay. Okay. And
4: you're angry because it ruined strawberries for you.
5: Mm -hmm. The rage is still (laughs) real. Boom. That's got to be
4: 24.
1: Oh, that's more than enough. A 24 you said? (laughs) Yes. That's plenty. How much damage do you do? So that's 14. You hack off a big chunk of the little Timmel. <laughs> a good part of him is on the ground, dissipating into the dirt and wood. Looking
3: up at you with sad puppy dog
4: eyes. <laughs> I just wanted to listen
1: to music. We were going to be friends. Dude, all your
3: instruments are in there.
2: Get out of my way!
4: (laughs) You stay there, Mary. You got your flute, you got your flute. You can buy new ones.
2: So
1: the sweet shop is on fire, a creature is oozing its way into the darkness.
4: (laughs) So, as Afavir is dealing with the monster, I see the opening to go and grab my good friend Bathin. Yes. So that's what I do.
3: And hopefully the rain is enough to put out my fire and the hailstones aren't enough to damage me, enough to kill me. (laughs) Yeah.
4: So who's better to go pick him up than the person that can also heal him?
1: Absolutely. And your lay on hands will be very useful as you drag a burning and singed Bathan out of the inflamed sweet shop. Exactly. So
4: lay my hand and curing him and all that jazz.
1: He comes back to consciousness just in time to see the second floor of the sweet shop collapse into the first embers rising up into the night sky. Heavy smoke and steam from the rain putting out the flames licking the outsides
2: of this building.
4: Did we win? (laughs) Um, yes, I think it's safe to say that we did.
2: I lost my instruments and you insulted me. I don't think I won. (laughs)
4: You'll get over it and we can buy you new ones
1: You'll probably never regain the memories of today You'll certainly have the scars for a while Some of us were burned, beaten, battered Fed odd taffies and candies and maybe a sweet bun that wasn't so sweet Who knows what you're taking with you as you leave this shop Head down the hills in the rain To the well-lit port town It will hopefully be a better stop-off than this was
3: so who are you guys?
4: <laughs> oh Bathan.
5: Does anyone remember what things taste like? <laughs> Does anyone
2: remember where we parked the cart?
5: Well, that's
1: all for our Toma special episode. To read all about the Oblex, pick up Morden Kane and Tomafoe's wherever awesome books are sold. In addition to the players, Victoria and Greg, we would like to thank Ryan, Aaron, Joshu, Erica, Chris, Seamus, and Marcus, as well as all of our Discord friends for helping us put this together. If you want more Dice for Brains, you can find us in your podcast platform of choice, diceforbrains.com, social media, or patreon.com front slash diceforbrains. And if you have a chance, bring somebody new to your table. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon.